Hi, this is James Topan. Hi, I am Clara Irene Reyes. Hi, this is Juan Manuel Rodriguez, a.k.a. Juanma, and you're listening to the Bogota Writers Group podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Bogota Writers Group podcast, new short fiction from the capital of Colombia. I'm your host, Delaney Turner. On today's episode, a story that I wrote. It's called Piero. Silently, smoothly, Piero slid his dagger between the man's ribs. He held the man and felt his life leave him, just as he had done to so many others. When it was done, Piero released the man from his grip and let him fall softly to the floor. Slicked in blood, the blade slid out easily, as he knew it would. He had become accustomed to killing. The old man had made sure of that. That Piero felt no hesitation in robbing men of breath was precisely as the old man had planned. It was how the old man had taught and nurtured him since finding him that day in the forest. How many men had he killed? What were their names? Piero was forty-five now, and the passing of the years had made it difficult to remember, nor did he care to know. One was a priest, one a lord. Others were mercenaries and ambassadors who spoke languages he did not understand. No matter, what he did remember was the way they moved when they felt the blade. On the nights when he went to the whores, he remarked how similar it felt. Sometimes they would bleed as well. Piero was born destined to die. Too young to work and too hungry to feed, Piero had been abandoned in his first week on this earth. From his mother, who understood and who did not protest, his father had taken Piero into the woods and lain him, naked among the bones of so many unwanted children that had come and died before. Then he stood, turned his back on his newborn son, and began his solemn walk back to the village. The screams followed him for many moments, yet at no time did he pray for the soul of the child, nor ask of his God forgiveness for himself. The old man heard the cries, though. His name was Mateo, and he lived alone in a small wooden house that he had built for himself on the edge of the forest. He was now nearly eighty years old, and a long white beard hid the countless scars on what was once a proud and square jaw. His eyes, once a clear and piercing blue, had faded to a dull gray behind cruel cataracts. His vision, once sharp enough to pick out the blackest cat in the darkest night, now saw no further than the few short steps his legs would allow him. His hearing, once keen enough to hear advancing armies miles away, had shrunken his world to the length of his outstretched arm and no more. No matter, he thought. In my years, I have seen enough of war and heard enough of men's cries to last another ten lifetimes. My back is strong, he thought. There is much air in my lungs, and my mind is still sharp. When I leave this life, I will be standing, and I will be proud of what I have done. 
He looked down on the new life in his arms. Your family has abandoned you, just as God has abandoned this world. But not I, said Matteo, as he held the baby close to his heart. I will name you Piero. You will carry on my work. At no point did Piero consider it immoral to kill. Man has betrayed his God in the wars he has waged, said Matteo. He has betrayed his God and rejected his promise of salvation. Matteo's words would be the only ones Piero would know from the day he was old enough to understand. At no time in his training would Piero have friends. He had only Matteo, who would tell him stories of the great and many battles in which he had fought and the hundreds of men he had killed. Friends lead you away from the one true path, Matteo would say. And over time, Piero would come to believe it. Man is the master of all that is of this earth, said Matteo. Thus, to take a man's life is to be God. But you must not be reckless. You must not kill indiscriminately. You must only kill those who wage wars in their own name for their own glory. Kill that man, and you save humanity. This is your destiny now. You must move with pure intent always. You must move without fear. You must study every aspect of this art and master its every technique, said Matteo. The assassin must know he can be killed before he can kill another. He must know how a man may defend himself with a weapon and without. And so they practiced, first with the weapons. Arranged on the wall were every type Piero had ever seen and some that he had not. All taken, said Matteo, from the men he had killed. Here were the long swords he had seen in the hands of castle guards. Though heavy and slow, they could cut a man in two with a single pass, should they land true. Next to them were maces, hard enough to crush a man's skull should the user be close enough to his enemy to see the color of his eyes. In one corner were longbows from England, crossbows from France, scimitars from the Holy Land. In another, pikes and halberds, glaives and axes, all fearful from a distance in the hands of a well-trained foe. You will use only a dagger, the old man said. No other weapon is as quick nor as sure. A man carrying a sword or mace will always draw attention to himself, even though he may not know to use it or bear no ill intent. Men always see the weapon before its owner, he said. This puts them on their guard and makes your task more difficult. Conceal your dagger and you conceal your intentions until you reach your moment of truth. Next came the animals. No man wants to kill, but some men must, said the old man. Those who do must first conquer the fear and doubt that every man feels before taking a life. Squirrels were first, then cats, then pigs. The man's anatomy is nearly the same as that of a pig, Matteo said. They move with the same violence, 
and produce just as much blood when they are struck. And so, it was on pigs that Piero learned exactly where to insert the dagger. Piero would first work on slaughtered pigs. When the old man judged him ready, Piero would move on to live ones. Thrust the dagger up to the hilt always, the man said. Then twist it to kill instantly. Then, how to move and approach the victim without being seen. He must be ready to kill in close quarters and in the open, in darkness and in light. How to move blade and hand in unison to cover the cries as the blade found its mark, and how to leave as if he had never entered at all. Now you are ready. It was a clear evening when Matteo heard the creak of his cabin door. Matteo felt the breeze on the back of his neck, but did not stir. Welcome back, my dear Piero. I've been expecting you. That was actually my story named or titled Piero. And for this review cycle, we're going to hear first from James. James. There were some things I really liked about this story, but it also gave me a couple of questions that I'm hoping Delaney can answer in the session. So I think my favorite part of the story was the the middle bit, especially kind of the interaction, the development of um, Matteo as a character, and kind of the increased information on Piero. I'm a little bit creeped out by um, Delaney's research on uh, how to use a dagger to kill someone instantly. But I, I really enjoyed that bit. I really enjoyed the interaction between the two. And I, I thought Matteo was really intriguing by this person who's clearly like this battle-scarred old character who has become religious. I, I got, My impression was that he's become religious and was not always religious, but I don't know, maybe that's something else that Delaney can clarify in the answer session. The main questions that I had about the story and things that I didn't really get one thing is the the ending. So I know that Matteo tells him that he's going to kill at some point the people who start wars or something along this line. And obviously it's something Matteo was involved in when he was younger, but he's such an old man now that I didn't understand why Piero had gone back to kill him. Um, and so that was something I was hoping Delaney could clarify. And another thing that dragged me out a little bit within the context of the story was that we, we learned that he's going to train him. And the impression that I got is that, was that some of that training would be physical, at least. And yeah, as we know that we have this very particular description of Matteo's physical condition, where we learn that he's really not in a very good shape. And so I was also slightly confused as to how this training... Was the training just purely instructive? And if it was purely him telling him what he needs to do, then I feel like that could be expressed slightly more within the bounds of the story. And... Oh, the last, the last thing I, I, I thought was a very nice touch was the thing regarding the, um, the pig. I thought that that was an interesting concept, this idea of, like, building up on animals, which was very creepy, but then this concept of, like, actually learning precisely where things are on pigs. And that rounds up my comments. Thank you. One Ma, you're up next. I like from, from the first moment of the first segments of the story, the, the type of master-apprentice apprentice relation that, that you put on in the story. And when I picture Mateo picking Piero in the woods, and after, after hearing his cries, 
the image makes you think that he's such a really good guy. I mean, he's picking up a, an abandoned child, and, but then why did he, I mean, the first question is, why did he, let's say, re recruited, not pick, but recruited Pierrot to teach him how to kill? So that was like the first question. I think that the story lacks dialogue, which to me is one of the most important elements of the story and the best way to sympathize with or hate a character. Of course, there are personal thoughts of Mateo and Piero, but those are not just the same as characters talking and interacting each other. Another question was, what, what was the motive of Mateo to act that way? What did he think like that? I mean, what happened to him in his life that turned him, turned him into this dark master who teaches how to kill? The ending is like a striker, I mean, because Piero is now the, a full killer, but it leaves a space to too many questions. Why is he going to kill his master? Which I think is what is going to happen. It's an option to leave those open endings, but I think we need more, more clarification on some points to, to, for the story to be like rounded. Clara? Hi. The first thing I look at, as always, is the title, Piero. What does Piero remind me of? Because I think names are so important, they have meaning. I was very shocked <laughs> to find out that Piero was a killer. To me, Piero, I don't know why, has a different connotation. The name has a different connotation. And then his master is Mateo. So I was wondering how you pick the names, because I think names have to be well-picked in a story, so you probably you're probably going to explain to us why, why you chose that name. So it was just something random, whatever. As soon as I started reading and I understood that there was a relationship between um, Mateo and, and Piero, that he was the master, he was teaching him how to kill, it, it brought to my mind a movie that I really liked, which is called The Perfect Assassin. It's a French film. And um, it, it, I thought about this relationship between somebody who apparently is doing some good because I, I wasn't sure if I understood why he was being taught to kill. Was there a philosophy behind the killing? Like it's okay to kill because there is something that justifies it? I didn't really understand, but I understood there was a close relationship between these two people like in that film. Apparently, there is also some justification for the killing. As, as I was wondering also, what kind of a killer is he? A hitman, somebody that you hire, or somebody who knows he has to walk around the world choosing people to kill because there is a justification behind it? I wasn't so sure. Did Mateo tell him? Did he already know? What's the whole idea behind the killings? What's the justification? This is going to sound terrible. I like to read about uh, these violent stories, these stories where there's criminals involved because I've studied um, the representation of violence for many years. But it was very gory, you know, when, when you thought about, for example, the first paragraph when Mateo kills the, first, well, no, the victim that we read about silently, smoothly. Piero slid his dagger between the man's ribs. He held the man. And the, I mean, that's very descriptive and very gory. I mean, kind of like it shocks you. And then the fact that he's killing all these animals to learn how to kill properly. So that that was kind of a little bit a little bit hard to to take in. 
And as I think um, James and, and Juanma commented, the ending, I understand that he's coming back to kill his master or his father, I guess, because he must be a father figure. He was the one who raised him. Why is he coming back to kill him? I mean, that's not very clear. So I think it's a good story. It's, it's descriptive. Um, when you read it, you're into the story. But as, as um, Juanma maybe commented, I, I also feel that there are gaps, things that I, 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 as a reader, don't understand. Maybe I have to do more research about wars and about religion and about, I don't know if there is something called the philosophy of killing. I don't know. But, I mean, I enjoyed reading it. Thank you, Delaney. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, you've essentially pointed out all the flaws or the holes that I knew were in this story to begin with. One of the things that I have trouble with, I think, as I've talked about before, is coming up with ideas. I don't... It's the hardest thing, I think, for me to do. This story started basically as a couple of different scenes. And I tried to build a story around it. I also wanted to try to write about, I think it was because I was reading a lot of Assassin's Creed, which are absolute <laughs> crap as books, but they're kind of fun. I wanted to see if I could write about violence or killing in a very cold, dispassionate kind of way. And I wanted to see what the effect of that was. And that's that's where that image of the dagger where, where I started it from. That's that's where the story started. And then I thought, okay, now I have to build a story around this. So let's, let's see how that goes. Um, as for naming characters, I hate naming characters. If I had a choice, I wouldn't name them ever. I thought, what is Italian and sounded Renaissance-y, basically? There was no okay. rationale for that. And didn't sound like, you know, Luigi and Mario from Super <laughs> Mario Kart, something. I didn't want that. I wanted something... Mm-hmm. Renaissance-y, basically. Yeah, and then I thought about this, the master-apprentice relationship. And I, yeah, I think if I if I went back into it and, and got into more descriptions of the training and the, yeah, because Matteo isn't basically in a lot of great shape. He's really beat up. So I've, you've pointed out a wonderful problem there and how, how can he be so, learn to be an elite assassin when his master can barely walk or see unless he's sort of this mystical superman kind of character which i don't think you i want him to be the pig i think i did read somewhere that uh the pig's anatomy is as close to a human's as you can get so it's a great animal to learn on where exactly to put a knife the ending like i thought about you know mateo is a character who's seen all these wars he's probably been on the crusades and he's come back completely disillusioned about having to kill him in Kill in the name of in the name of a god or someone else's concept of a god, and now he's basically rev- exacting his revenge on the people who made him as disillusioned and as sort of lonely as as and violent as he has become. So I thought it was he was grooming Piero to be his successor, and I think although I haven't exactly worked out the mechanics, I think that when when he picks up Piero in the forest he knows that eventually he will come and kill him so to carry on his work because they're you know it's just the highlander there can only be one so you know there are i think the story does not yeah it leaves a lot of questions um i basically kind of copped out in working out sort of the mechanics so i think i have to work out the relationship between the two characters a little more some of the more prosaic details like you know how does the training how does he get to be the super assassin how does he decide that he has to go back and kill his master is it something that he just basically comes to realize or he is ordered. I'm not sure yet. And then his justification, why, you know, all of, all of these wonderful things that explain character motivation, I think I have to work out. Um, 
what I think made this interesting for me to write is a series of scenes and descriptions, which I find more fun to write than actual the mechanics of making the story make sense, which, you know, that's the hard part. So I think I have to go back and think about more about how those pieces all actually fit together. So it's funny that you mentioned, uh, well, like one thing I always forget to mention something when I'm actually giving my feedback. <laughs> and one thing I wanted to say, that I forgot was that I really enjoyed the opening, mm-hmm. but, uh, an inter- it's funny that you mentioned Assassin's Creed while you were talking about that, because actually when, you were talking about the the concealing of the dagger and kind of approaching in the film. Mm. I did have this image of like, where is he? Is it up his sleeve? Yeah, in like a kind of Assassin's Creedy sort of mouth. Yeah. Um, but but one other thing that I it's a bit also based like on what you were just saying. I think one thing that might be useful is to make it clearer that like if it was specifically being in the Holy Land that disillusioned him, mm, right? It, it's alluded to, but it's mentioned in the same paragraph as like having fought in like longbows from England, right? Something else from France, and right? Scimitars from the, so I think that could be made clearer, right? And an, another thing I thought was interesting, just looking back through this at the story again. Was the line, Piero was born destined to die, Mm -hmm. which I think is a really, really nice line. Mm -hmm. But I almost feel like it's a promise that's then not Mm -hmm. delivered on. Mm -hmm. Because actually the person who's going to die at the end is Matteo. That's right. 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 But uh, about that, uh, when I read it the first time, I said Piero was born destined to die. I hadn't read the rest of the story, but I thought, well, we're all born destined Mm -hmm. to die. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I wasn't sure what it meant until I continued reading and then you said he was abandoned in his first week on this earth. So he was born destined to die as soon as he was born. Yeah. Not like everybody else. Right. Like we have some sort of life, mm-hmm. supposedly, right, that we don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But um, maybe you need something there or... Yeah, no, I see that. Because James understood it right away. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. I thought, well, we're all born destined to die. Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah, yeah, I see that. I wanted to write about a, an environment that was cold and cruel and violent and how people respond in that. And and did you did you read or made up, for example, I really enjoyed the part where, where Mateo teaches Piero that the best weapon is a dagger. Mm-hmm. Because words, I mean, people know this word or this big maze. So did, did you read... About that, or just come with that? No, with that, that kind of... It, kind of it, it was really good. I mean, the, the, the whole thing when he teaches that <laughs> the dagger is the best and you can hide it. And I really like that okay. part. Thanks. No, I um, I just kind of assumed that as I... The, the further I got into the, the Mateo character, it's, you know, what would he teach? Mm-hmm. It's the one weapon you can take anywhere, except for maybe poison, but that takes mm-hmm. a long time. So, yeah, maybe it was my old Dungeons and Dragons coming back Mm -hmm. to haunt me. You know, reading a lot of Italian Renaissance stuff, and it's some pretty nasty shit. So, Mm. yeah, just, you know, that. But Delaney, what what is, I don't understand still, uh, why why is he being taught to kill? I mean, like, who are his targets? Does he choose his targets? How does he know who to kill? Does he go around the world finding people to kill because of religion? Yeah, that's that's the general idea. I think it's... he is basically taking on Mateo's work to take out people who cause these wars. Yeah, he was like fed up with this. Yeah, his past to to a violent means to stop violence. <laughs> yeah, ironically. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Out of comments? Uh, I'm still a little... I'm st- so I'm still kind of unclear. So if Mateo was the guy killing these people... Well, I mean, I don't know if this is kind of already... Because uh, you've, you've said that, you know, you're going to work on that anyway. But, like, so... If Mateo was this assassin-type figure beforehand... Mm-hmm. Like, one thing... If he's an assassin, why was he involved in so many battles? Where he's been kind of fighting on these grand-scale things? Because that sounds very different to what right. Tierra's up to. Right. And then, two, if he wasn't... If because so I found the line that I was looking. You must only kill those who wage wars in their own name for their mm. own glory. Mm-hmm. It sounds like Mateo wasn't doing that, which therefore is the other yeah, thing that really confuses me. About right. Why Piero wants him dead. Right. Okay. That's. I'll have to work that out. I don't have an answer. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Any anything else? Any other questions? Or shall I ring the bell? Going once. Going twice. Soul. That wraps up another episode of the Bogota Writers Podcast. If you like what you hear and want to read more, check us out on Amazon where you can pick up the second edition of Voices of Bogota. And if you want to learn more about us, ask questions or possibly join, possibly join, be sure to look us up on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to post all your comments and questions. My name is Delaney Turner. Thanks for listening. We will meet again in two weeks. You're listening to the Bogota Writers Group Podcast.